Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. The Christian life often involves a lot of tough choices. One such choice is how we decide if we should help someone or not. It's not always easy to know what the wise thing to do is. In Genesis chapter 14, Lot had made some very poor choices, and Abraham had to decide whether to help him or not. Helping Lot would be both risky and messy, but that's what the Lord may ask of us. While the decision will always require prayer, wise counsel, and wisdom, seeing things through Jesus' eyes will help. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Coming to the Rescue. Imagine the confidence of God's newly formed people. Remember, God's kind of starting all over again with Abraham and his people. Imagine how confident they would be in God. God clearly helped us in this situation. But the risk involved was huge. You see, Abraham is in one of those places where he's caught in the middle. I mean, if he goes after Lot, what is the enemy going to think of him? Not too much. And what about his own people? We're going to see there's a lot of, their group has grown to be very, very large. He has no offspring, but he's got a large, large group of people that are with him. And they're thinking, what are, kind of a decision are you making here? I mean, we all know Lot. He's a miserable good for nothing. Why in the world would we chase him down? And risk our own lives. Are, are you, they'll, they'll send all these men out to battle. Do you want us, women would, would be like saying to their husbands, what does he want us all to be widows? They want everybody to grow up without a daddy? He's not in a great spot. He's learning, Abraham is learning an important lesson of leadership. That the tough choices of leadership, and some of you are there, you're a leader at the church, you're a leader in, in, your, in your business, you're a leader in your home. The, the tough choices that a leader has to make, and will, they will have to be made, will often get some or many people mad at you. And the hardest part of it probably is, is sadly enough, that most people assume instead of asking. Most people believe the first person who talks to them and thinks that they have all of the facts. And if you're taking notes, you might want to jot down Proverbs 18, 17, that specifically tells you not to do that. God says, don't do that. Proverbs 18, 17. You will end up in a bad place. You see, nobody would know about all the time that Abraham had spent trying to help Lot. Perhaps they spent a lot of time together where Lot was sort of had his own bent and, and Abraham was trying to, to get him to come to the things of God. And so what would the criticism of the people being that were with Abraham be? Oh, you'd have the rebellious camp over here. Some people would say, well, Lot, he's just rebellious. Other people would say, oh, no, 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 Lot's a victim. He lost his father early on. He now he's been captured. He got sucked into the lifestyle of Sodom. So what would you do? Would you help him or not? Remember, you, it's not just you. 
we're going to see he's going to bring hundreds of people with him in a battle that on paper they don't stand a chance of winning. Not a chance. What would you do? Well, I can tell you what most of us do. I, I, <laughs> I think most of us have a help grid. Do you have a help grid? You're like, I don't know if I do or not. You will in a few minutes know whether you do or not. Most of us have a help grid, and typically we think, does this person deserve my help? That's sort of, that's sort of the way we, we think. Or another one is, is there any risk to me in helping them? You know, this is one of my big critiques on, on our culture right now. You know, some person living in their $30 million mansion in Beverly Hills is critiquing people on the other side of the country saying, well, you should do something about this. That's really hard. <laughs> There's no risk there. There's no risk there. So we wonder, is there any risk to ourselves? Uh, also, probably in our lives, we think, is there any inconvenience to me? So you, have, you get a lot of people who want to be part of a, a movement or part of an opinion, but they don't want to do anything about it. They're just like, oh, I'm, I'm on board with that. What are you doing about that? Well, you know, I'm on board. <laughs> the reality here is, you could really make a strong case that Lot does not deserve the help. And the risk to take an army out, a small army out against these five superpower kings on paper is the stupidest decision you could ever make in your life. And even if you do get him out, and you know you're not going to just try and get him out, you're going to try and get all the people that are with him and all his goods and stuff like that. What about the risk of future attacks? Every day for the rest of your life, you're going to be looking over your shoulder. Are these guys coming back for me? No matter how you cut it, this situation is super, super messy. So how do, how do we know, or how do you and I know, when God would want us to help? And when God would want us to back off and let the Holy Spirit do his work? Well, I've often looked at it this way, and probably because the advantage of, of studying the scriptures, that when it's clear that someone is in repetitive sin, we, we need tough love for those who are truly repentant. You say, how do you know if someone's truly repentant? Well, they're sorrowful. They have changed their mind about their behavior, and they're actually working very hard to change their behavior. Not like, sorry, you know, that, that's not repentance. Even admitting it is not repentance. There must be a change of mind, of heart, and of action. And so here's the thing. If our help is really helping what God is doing in their life, then our help is good. But if our help is actually helping them to keep on sinning, then we're actually in God's way. I don't know if that's any harder than it is for a parent. 
So let me say that again. If our help helps what God is doing in their lives, then it is good. If our help helps them to continue in their sin, then we are actually in God's way. And we need to get out of the way. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. We actually have a whole message on our website on verses 8 through 11, which if you just go under the messages and under the pick a scripture and look for 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 8 through 11, says this, verse 10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance. So if you're really sorry in the Lord, it will produce sorrow, godly sorrow, he calls it. It will produce a change of mind and a change of behavior leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world, sometimes it's called worldly grief, produces death. You know, over the years I've met with a lot of people who've been you know, disciplined for something at work or something like that, or they lost their job, and, and, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I kept coming in late, or I didn't do what I was supposed to do, or whatever, and, and it's like, are you really sorry for what you did, or are you just sorry that you lost your job? I mean, which is it? Let's go back to verse 14. Uh, we'll continue. Now, when Abram heard that his brother, we might call it, say, kinsman, family member, and Abraham feels responsible for him. It's his brother's son. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house. So let's just stop right there. That's 318 grown men. How many families does that represent in their society? Most of them would be married. Many, if not most, would have large families of kids. So maybe this, is, this decision is going to affect possibly a thousand people against four superpower armies. And he went in pursuit as far as Dan. You might want to circle that word pursuit. He went in pursuit. Dan being a region of the tribe of Dan. Side note, that the tribe of Dan came later. Side note, God seems to, in that verse, to put his stamp of approval of being trained for self-defense. It doesn't say like, oh, I can't believe he disobeyed me and trained these guys. So, so Abraham was making sure that his people were trained for self-defense. Verse 15, he divided his forces against them by night. So it's a surprise attack by a small army at night in the power of the Lord. He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So they're actually chasing these larger, more powerful armies. Reminds me of, of what Pastor John was teaching us about Gideon about how he had this small army and he's going after this bigger army. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, reminds me of Jonathan who was, who was going to fight the Philistines and people were like, what are you kidding me? This is not near enough of us. And, and Jonathan said this, 1 Samuel 14, 6, he said, nothing restrains the Lord. Some verses say nothing hinders the Lord from saving by many 
or by few. I find that such an encouraging verse. That the church does not need a lot of people to do God's work in God's world. God can save by many or he can save by few. It's the story of Dwight L. Moody. You know, somebody said you know, to him, you know, the world has yet to see what happens when one guy is fully sold out for God. And Moody said, I want to be that guy. And he became the great evangelist. Perhaps, and I believe it is so, that Abraham knew that this battle was going to be the Lord's, not his. Now, there's a weird kind of thing going on right here. We have these powerful kings that we had to painfully read through their names twice. But notice how they have faded into the distance. All our eyes are on Abram right now. Why? Because, Christian, God's eyes are firmly fixed on his children. Maybe those of us who feel like we are nothing in the world's eyes should think about that. It's interesting that scholars have trouble finding some of the names of these kings and And what's really interesting is that nobody would know anything about these kings except for Abraham. Nobody would know the name of King Herod except for his hatred for a little baby that became the poor carpenter from Nazareth and the savior of the world. Nobody would know about his descendant, the other King Herod, because he didn't care if Jesus died on the cross. Nobody would know who Joseph and Mary were if it wasn't for their little baby boy. Nobody would know who Pontius Pilate is if it wasn't for the cross. And the scripture teaches that heaven knows your name, Christian, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So for a follower of Jesus, God's eyes are on you. God's eyes are on your family. God's eyes are on your prayer group. God's eyes are on how you welcome people to church. God's eyes are on your own personal studying of his word and talking to him as you study it. God's eyes, if you're a children's teacher, is is on you as you prepare your lesson week after week after week, knowing those little brats, I mean those wonderful little kids, might only catch how kind you are to them. And the reason you were able to be kind was because you were prepared God's eyes are on your community group and the, and the struggles that various people in the group are going through. Ultimately, friend, you matter to God. You matter to your heavenly Father. No matter what this world says, He knows the number of hairs on your head 
And even like some of us, if it's getting less than it used to be, that doesn't change the way he feels about us. Verse 16, so he brought back, Abram brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. So here we see Abraham's love for Lot and his desire to help his wayward nephew. I wonder, and I think a lot of this comes from my own personal experiences and the personal experiences of so many of you. I don't think you guys know how much I learn from you in just talking with you and watching you. I wonder how much Abraham's failure in Egypt really changed him. No doubt about it, Lot was very foolish going to live near Sodom. No doubt about it, Lot was very foolish then going to live in Sodom, and probably I find it hard to believe Abram didn't know that. But Abraham was very foolish before that to go down to Egypt when the famine happened instead of trusting God. Let's be honest, friend. You have been very foolish at times. I have been very, very foolish at times. And one of the evidences of grace in your life is your grace and mercy towards those who have been foolish. Because when you have been shown grace and mercy, you tend to be more of a person who extends grace and mercy. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain killed Abel and God asked him, Hey, where is he? Now, God knew the answer. And this was, the, this was Cain's answer. He says, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? Answer, yes. Yes, that is the answer. We are responsible for one another. Once again, certainly you could make the case that Lot did not deserve to be saved. This situation was of his own doing. And the mission that Abraham went on to save Lot was very, very dangerous. Very good chance that he could lose his life. Very good chance that a lot of those women that were, and children that were left behind would, would be left widows and fatherless. Very interesting, though, that Abraham has this decent-sized army, 300-plus men, trained, and yet he didn't use his army... We know he was also very wealthy. He didn't use his wealth. He didn't use his power to try and win the land that God had promised to him. He didn't do that. Why? Because at this moment in his life, he is trusting the Lord. Abraham, the man the scripture calls the friend of God, risked his life for another. Certainly a great example to all of us, but even a greater picture. Let's try and focus in our final moments. In this story, I know we read it, and we would like to think, oh, I would like to be like Abraham. There's only one huge, glaring problem. We are not Abraham in this story. We are all Lot. And as Lot moved 
far from Abraham, we have all moved far away from God. That famous verse, Romans 3.23, says, for all, that would be all. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, some people read that and they hear the first part and they go, all have sinned. And they go, well, yes, I know I've sinned. Other people get incredibly insulted. And they're like, I'm not a sinner. I don't know what that is. But look at the second half and fall short of the glory of God. I don't think any of us think we measure up to the glory of God. Just go outside, look up in the sky tonight, look in the stars and think, could I do that? No, I probably couldn't. (laughs) I'm falling short of the glory of God. Like Lot, we have all moved away from the glory of God to do our own thing. And like Lot, it puts us in a position of being unable to save ourselves, captured, if you will, by the world. Now we fast forward 2,000 years later, 2,000 years ago. You know, Jesus could have stayed in heaven where it was safe, where it was comfortable, where there was, it didn't cost him anything really, did it? To stay there and watch. He could have stayed there with his army of angels, just watching Lot slowly self-destruct, watching you and me fall short of the glory of God. But instead, the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul tells us that he took on the form of a servant. Jesus came down from heaven to earth. And he risked his life on a mission to pursue you and to pursue me. He risked his life on a mission to rescue you and to rescue me. As it says in Matthew 1, he came to save his people from his sins. Of course, the question is, are you one of his people? How does that happen? You just put your trust in him. You repent. You repent and believe. Jesus said, you change your mind about God. You tell him you're sorry for your sins. You ask him to help you to change your behavior. And you do the steps you need to do to save your behavior. And then you believe, you put your trust in Jesus. Abraham put his army at risk for one man, Lot. But God the Father put his one and only son at risk for many people, including you and me. Now Abraham and his army rescued Lot only because God rescued Abraham and his army. (laughs) But on the cross, God did not rescue Jesus. On the cross, God the Father let Jesus die on the cross in your place for your sins and for my sins as well. Abraham fought. But when the corrupt religious leaders and Romans and Abraham fought with his army and when the corrupt religious leaders and Romans came for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus tell his apostles? Put away your swords. When Jesus had the chance to call down his army of angels to save him, he did not. He went to the cross. 
On the cross, Jesus suffered great pain and separation from God. So all who would turn to God and put their trust in Jesus would never have that experience. And like Jesus, they too would rise from the dead. You see, what made Jesus the perfect sacrifice was because he never fell short of the glory of God. And for all who put their trust in him, he gives us his righteousness, if you will. He takes our sin and he gives us his glory. His perfect righteousness is credited to our account. And like Lot was brought back by Abraham, all who put their trust in Jesus will be brought back to God by Jesus. And yes, the way they exist right now, Abraham and Lot, the way you and I exist right now, the future is very much unknown, but we can still have great confidence knowing that our sin and our failures have been forgiven and great confidence in knowing that we have been rescued. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.